Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I am your host this week, Len Hafer, alongside my comrades-in-arms, Rowan Kaiser. Hello. And Fraser Brown. Hello. And we were all kind of shocked to discover that we have not talked about Total War Warhammer basically since Warhammer 2 came out, (laughs) which is like three and a half years ago at this point. Um, And uh, as we were sort of in the planning phases for a show for this, uh, it went ahead and introduced or uh, announced total war Warhammer three. So we're going to try to in one, in one evening, in one show, uh, talk about the highlights of all of the changes that have come to Warhammer two since the last time we talked about it. Um, and then also a little bit of what we know about Warhammer three so far. Um, so there's been, Two new big factions introduced to Warhammer 2, um, uh, Tomb Kings and uh, Vampire Coast, which is actually the first one that was not a Warhammer tabletop army book, uh, alongside a whole bunch of new lords and stuff. I think they've redone all of the base game factions at this point. Uh, They've redone a lot of the DLC factions even uh, from the first game. Uh, Mortal Empires has been updated more times than I can count. Uh, Rowan, what are the highlights here? What's, what is, uh, what do you think is the most impactful, uh, change that they've made across this, this whole development cycle? Well, this, the change in focus from the Total Warhammer 2 campaign to the Mortal Empires campaign. Mortal Empires being the combination of Total Warhammers 1 and 2, although really it's more grafting Total Warhammer 2's factions and map onto the Warhammer 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still it's centered around the chaos invasion. It doesn't have the the crazy uh, vortex campaign stuff. So yeah, it's it's really sort of a a generic, not generic, but kind of a a straightforward focused uh, campaign of just conquering things and dealing with chaos when they try to unconquer everything for you. Um, this has been around for what, like two and a half years now? And it was kind of unplayable for a lot of those and is now really, really playable and really, really, really good at a level that I'm not sure I thought was actually even possible. So I think that's by far the biggest thing that they've gone from having these two distinct campaigns, which with their interesting ideas to having a single joined campaign that uh, genuinely works. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so I was more into mortal empires when it first came out than maybe you two were like, it was too big. Uh, it was like, honestly, I, I agree that it was kind of not that playable, but just the sheer of making this monumentally huge thing uh, that didn't quite work. I was just so taken by. Um, yeah. and, I, and it also meant that, like, you know, I loved all of the factions from Warhammer 1, so I wanted them in my game. Uh, because two, the factions were great, but it felt like there was just so much room for interesting confrontations that we just weren't getting in the Vortex campaign. So Mortal Empires came along, and it was just fantastic. But it's... Like I appreciate that Creative Assembly immediately was clear about what was shit about it, and like <laughs> I I was confident they were gonna fix that. And 
they have like incredibly made it like one of the smoothest experiences like the the turn time and the loading is just so swift oh, i mean yeah. you still i still recommend putting it on an ssd um but it's just it's otherworldly how how much of an improvement it's been um because the that that map is truly gargantuan and there are so many factions and and leaders that you're dealing with and you just don't notice it i mean you notice it's big because the wars go on and the turns go on like you you'll be playing it for hundreds of turns no matter what you do because just actually swallowing up that map just takes so damn long but it's never like a technical issue or a performance issue that gets in the way. It is just that if you're playing Mortal Empires, you've got to be in it for the long haul. Um, and it's really, it's after all these years of being like the best Total Wars are the focused, small Total Wars. Your Shoguns, your Napoleon, I guess your, your Three Kingdoms, it's big, but it's still quite focused. Um, and then Mortal Empires comes along and it's like, oh no, this is absolutely amazing. This is what I want. It's like my dream Total War campaign. Am I also the only one that feels that there's like a sort of Mandela effect going on here? Because I'm convinced that we've talked about Warhammer 2 since Warhammer 2's original We have on the end of year shows. I did a big thing at the end of the year uh, for 2020 or 2019. And uh, like we talked about Mortal Empires a fair amount then. But we have not done a full show on it. Yeah, we've also Wild. planned multiple shows about it that didn't actually end up getting into the production phase. So because yeah, there's been we were... so many additions, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's kind of I I at first when it was clear that Warhammer Three was gonna take a while, I was kind of disappointed because it only took like a year for two to come out. It was ridiculous the cadence of that. Yeah. Um and I was, you know, I was getting a bit worried. Is it ever gonna come out? Because it didn't like nothing whenever we spoke to Creative Assembly about it, they never had anything to talk about. They never had any even like teases. So like I was like, do they have an idea of what they want to do with this? Uh, but then I stopped caring because they kept supporting Warhammer 2 so well. Yeah. It's and and without going the route that you would expect where they add more campaign stuff, because they haven't really. Uh like I, I guess there have been two really where it's like, this is a new section of the Vortex campaign. But actually, mostly it's just been really interesting lords. But these lords bring dramatic changes to the game, even if you're not playing as them, playing against them throws new spanners into the work. And it feels like Warhammer 2 has been reinvented over the course of the last few years in a way that I, I never could have predicted. Yeah, I was... So... My my relationship with Mortal Empires was kind of the the moment it came out, I lost all interest in the Vortex campaign whatsoever, um, which meant that uh, I didn't play Warhammer 2 for a long time because during that time that like, OK, Mortal Empires is not quite there yet. But then I couldn't bring myself to go back to the Vortex because it was like, well, this doesn't have everything in it. And like what I really want out of this game is just everything on the same map, which is exactly, you know, what they bloat, 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 bloat <laughs> somehow managed <laughs> to deliver on. And and yeah, they're doing some kind of sorcery with the end game in turn timers. I don't know how exactly they've gotten that to work. Um, uh, so have you returned to the Vortex campaign, though? Because that's I've actually 
I mean, while Mortal Empires is my favorite way to play, it, it, because it goes on for so long, sometimes I like to revisit the Vortex campaign because the new lords and factions, they're not fighting over the Vortex in the same way that the original uh, Warhammer 2 factions are. Like if you're playing as the big hungry goblin chief uh, whose name escapes me um it's Wrong. all about get yeah that's it it's all about getting fat and finding new recipes and then eventually defeating your nemesis and the vortex is just it's just there you don't really deal with it your vortex campaign is all about this grudge match between this elf that you really hate that you didn't kill last time you fought and you want to kill now is that not true in the in his mortal empires campaign though yeah, like there, there's that is, but what I'm saying is like when you're playing him in the vortex, you don't have to worry about the vortex. Oh stuff. yeah, um, no, it's I, still your own little campaign. I have not played Eye of the Vortex once since 2017, which I think was the year the game came out. Um, <laughs> it's just like when Mortal Empires exists, I just don't like I don't have any interest in it, and I think that that's part of why they haven't done a lot of campaign expansions. Because they realized that people weren't doing like that. I think they released a mini campaign originally with the Wood Elves and maybe the Beastmen. Yeah. Um, and they kind of abandoned the idea of campaign packs. It's just everything that was going to be a campaign pack turned into a faction pack. Um, well, this was something we talked about with non-modded uh, Three Kingdoms is how those campaigns feel so much smaller. Yeah. And they like yeah. tried to graft that onto the main campaign in a way that didn't really feel satisfying. And it, it feels like, you know, they're they're experimenting with these things, but they're learning that no people just want to play the big damn thing. Right, right. right. Um Yeah, I mean the Vortex was interesting. The Vortex campaign was interesting in a few ways, but I I'm also like I'd rather they just add those mechanics to Mortal Empires now, because <laughs> otherwise I just feel like I'm playing an incomplete game. Like, where's the Empire? Where's, well, you know? Well, so so with Mortal Empires, there's a few different, there's basically two different ways that it's been improved. Um, the first is in the technical sense, what you're talking about. Uh, and this is really, really important. Um, uh, I think it's hard to, it's hard to overstate just how messy Mortal Empires was those first few months. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the second is like sort of balance and campaign variety, which we could get to in a second, but let's, uh, let's knock the, uh, uh, technical stuff out because like it was about, I think it was like at the end of 2019 that they did the big patch that fixed the turd times and they're like going three times faster than they were. It used to be like a Rome two situation where you could press in turn in mortal empires and sit down and start reading a book. And now it's like, it's not no time because there are 150 factions on the map, <laughs> but it's a pretty reasonable and turn time. Like it's better than a, a decent sized Civ six map or, you know, Civ anything uh since i think probably four was when it started no three three had the turn time started getting out of control uh and that part is really really impressive just from a technical situation the other thing is that mortal empires when it came out um the chaos invasion was uh broken in like 10 different ways and every time <laughs> they fixed it one way it got even more broken in another 
I remember like there was a fairly early patch version where the chaos invasion meant that every chaos stack would launch itself towards the player faction no matter where they were. Uh so then like yeah, I remember you that. think yeah. there's a chaos invasion and you're just going la la la, I'm sticking around, I'll I'll what keep an eye on my borders for 20 turns, and then all of a sudden you're hit with like full stack after full stack for the next 30 turns, and it's like, what the fuck is happening? How did how did they yeah. all come to me? And then you go online and discover that everybody has had chaos only hit them. Yeah, and I think and I they're was playing as like Eltharian, which is dead center of Ulthuan, and Chaos just bypasses the rest of the world and sails like 12 fleets directly to the center of the High Elf Realm. It was pretty right. Pretty ridiculous. And, then, yeah. and I think before and after that, the Chaos Invasion just wasn't really doing anything, except maybe in the Empire. Uh, there was no like major effects anywhere. I remember I was playing as the main Lizardman dude, uh, Mazamundi, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just took over uh, uh, Lestria pretty easily. Like, there are only, at that point, there were only two or three other lords, and some of them were lizardmen that I could confederate. So that was that. Uh, and uh, I was like, okay, I have basically a continent that I can do whatever I want with. I have the Dark Elves pinned down on a choke point, and wherever I feel like is where I could go next. And. Chaos is the only thing that can really come in and disrupt because the Chaos Invasion in Total Warhammer 1 was this huge change in the um, shape of the campaign where you would go from having like six provinces to having two and a half and fighting tooth and nail for them. But everyone was having that happen to them, right? So that like... It stopped the game from turning into kind of this micromanagement. You have 20 armies and 50 cities hell that would drag down turns forever. Like it was really, really good and focused at containing that campaign. And then I was expecting that in the Mortal Empires campaign uh, and it just didn't happen. Like I waited for any sign of a chaos thing coming towards me or like an escalation of the chaos uh making my cities get in trouble and just nothing happened and i was like okay so i basically won this game and just have to like fight some battles there's nothing else to this until i feel like i'm done and i already feel like i'm done I do remember playing as Empire, and even as then, where you would expect this is where the Chaos Invasion is really going to hit you hard. Um, It was like, the Chaos Invasion is happening, and then 10 turns later, it's like, well done, you killed them all. It was like so (laughs) insignificant. I was like, I've had much more challenging wars with the regular factions here, and I guess I was kind of prepared for it, and it it was a game where I'd been going, going quite strong. But uh, it did feel like I could have just not had the invasion at all and nothing would have changed. Yeah, and now I don't know exactly when they did it. It feels like it might have been the green skin patch because they added a bunch of stuff to that corner of the map. But now the Chaos Invasion feels like the Total Warhammer 1 Chaos Invasion where it hits hard. It doesn't destroy everything, especially if you're prepared, but it hits real hard. And if you're unprepared, you're totally screwed. And it 
take some doing and maybe even some uniting with factions that you didn't necessarily think you would unite with in order to deal with. Plus, there's a chaos invasion marker or difficulty marker that you could set uh and that seems yeah. to actually do a fair amount yeah of, i uh, love that option uh because yeah i still think that the default difficulty chaos invasion is it's still pretty weak if you leave it on normal and you're an experienced player even an empire player i think you can kind of just parry it a little too easily um but if you put it on like hard or very hard i haven't even tried it on legendary yet like it's it spawns so many stacks that they can like split up in three different directions and kill like three factions at once, which is pretty uh, exciting. Um, the other thing is like like uh, you were saying, like diplomatically, they've tweaked how the AI factions react to the chaos invasion in a way that like they really coalesce into those core army book factions really well. Like by the time the chaos invasion has really gotten underway, the empire is the empire. The high elves are the high elves. Usually it's Tyrion. Sometimes it's, um, uh, Elariel, but you know, they're, they're going to unite behind someone. Um, and then they also built these big meta alliances too, which ended up being really interesting in, uh, the Wood Elf campaign I played, because after we defeated Chaos, for me to expand anywhere, I basically had to go up against, like, Warhammer NATO, <laughs> which was, like, the Empire and uh, Bretonia and the High Elves who were, had allied to fight Chaos, and they all stayed allied after that, which made uh, getting the long campaign victory goal a lot harder and a lot more interesting, because I was, you know, the Wood Elves aren't necessarily evil but i was fighting all of the quote-unquote good factions at once um which i thought everyone was, everyone is evil and yeah i mean ev everybody's an asshole it's just different degrees of asshole yeah yeah um yeah so the way that the way that the other ai factions react to it is also a huge improvement over how it was uh at the beginning and uh, you know, it just helps to to transform the map from like this patchwork of like elector counts and like there's like five different dukedoms in Bretonia. I don't know who any of these people are. And then in the late game, it's like, OK, yeah, it's it's the factions I know. It's it's the leaders I know. And uh, we're all just kind of vying for that top spot. Yeah, and, and that was the pace of the campaign in Warhammer 1, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I loved about it so much. And now they finally managed to integrate that in a map that's like three times larger with four times as many factions. Uh, <clears throat> I'm curious what factions or what lords each of you have had uh, the most fun with. Fraser, do you have a favorite or a couple favorites? Oh, yeah, big old fat goblin lad. Yeah. I love him. I love him so much. I love Grom that he can't punch. walk and he's got that big chair. Um, yeah, it just I actually just found the whole like cooking system to be really sort of cute and fun and silly, um, even though it's really simple. Um, and you're basically just, you get ingredients from uh, like sacking different factions uh, and for doing quests and meeting the uh, this troll hag, this river troll hag who um, like gives you tips about what to cook and maybe even cook something for you. Or you could rob her, which is really awful. You could just rob this old lady of all her food. Um, and yeah, I, I, it was like a really weird way to progress through the campaign because to uh, to get to the, instead of having like the vortex, if you're playing in the 
the Vortex campaign. It's all about finishing off this rival. Um, but to get to the key battle where you're on the, the elf island and kicking the shit out of them, you have to get really big and fat. You've got to eat loads and you've got to uncover all of these recipes. So it's like the progression system is all about just packing on the pounds. So you go to war with all these other factions so you can accumulate more food so you can eventually take on your nemesis. And I just thought that like from a narrative point of view, that's just really hilarious as well. Uh, and all, like it was just nice to play as like orcs and see the different changes as well. Like the actual way that the the war goes uh, very differently when you actually get um, each army that you've got gets another full stack attached to it. It's yeah, not like wandering yeah. around the map. It's like in your army. And then so when you fight, you get direct control over it. And you just got like huge arm. And they, and they last for like 16 turns or something. You're just stomping around the map, demolishing absolutely everything. Um, and it feels like this green tide. Like this is how orcs should feel. Uh, even when it was buggy and there was like stats that weren't working as they were meant to, I was still having a blast uh, because it it felt like how it should feel. And I think that's the really the key for like any of these factions is like I want to feel like I do when I like thinking about the tabletop game. I just want to feel like this tide, this powerful tide, just destroying everything. That's what the orcs are all about. And those changes really brought that to the fore. Rowan, who have you been having the most fun with? Um, The two that I've been hitting when we started getting this show prepped over the past couple of months have been Azhag the Slaughterer, because I wanted to see what the green skin changes were like. And he's up in that northeast corner mm-hmm. where chaos hits first, which has been developed quite a bit. There's now some Skaven and some Wood Elf Lords there. Uh, so that was uh, my initial focus. And then I thought it was such an interesting strategic uh puzzle to kind of unwrap as well as like I've, I've always liked the green skins they were one of my favorites from the from the start they were the set my second favorite behind the dwarfs but i got kind of got sick of their starting spot so uh having the new ones i played a little bit of grom as well uh but yeah having the new options for green skins in different parts of the map is uh something that i have been focused on the other one that i've been hitting is Prince Imric, who is down at the far southeast of the map, who is the dragon prince, who mm-hmm. has a bunch of quests to align with dragons. And also, I never really hit the southeast part of the map, except for trying to get Clan Moors to work several times and failing miserably. Um, so, yeah, those are the big two that I've done. I've done a little bit of the Wood Elves, but... Uh, we could talk about them specifically when, uh, when Liana starts talking, but yeah, <laughs> Emmerich is a, Emmerich is a very interesting and I think perhaps kind of busted, uh, character because if you're playing on harder difficulties, like it's really hard to get more than one army up at a time. And, uh, he the elves are supposed to rely on trade but there are no trade routes for like anyone i would occasionally get like one <laughs> trade route with the lizard man faction that grimgore immediately stomped on uh 
So that one I'm not sure is like super duper balanced, but I did enjoy the like questing for the dragons and like fighting with the, I think there are now like five factions in that tiny little Southeast five like legendary Lord factions in that tiny little Southeast corner. Uh, so it's got this little like arena pit thing going on. That's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, that's, those were the two that I've hit the most. Uh, and I did play a little bit of Grom and the Twilight Testers. It's impressive just how just chucking a Lord into uh, this kind of, and giving them a, a, a new starting position or filling in the map just changes so much. Like that, there are so many like distinct uh, places to begin in that have like these bizarre challenges uh, that yeah, I've that- yet to overcome in many cases. Yeah, that's that's the that's the second thing that I think they've done a really good job at. But let's let's hear who Lynn has played. Although we've kind of spoiled it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I played I played the longest one of the longest Total War campaigns I've ever played by like total numbers of hours spent. Even going back to like you know Shogun One uh, with Wood Elves um, because they were also my favorite DLC faction, uh, like they were for you, Fraser, in the first game. They're my Arguably my favorite um, Warhammer faction in general. Um, Norska kind of gave them a run for their money. Uh, But uh, yeah, so their new mechanic is basically that uh, they just have to protect these great woods that are kind of scattered evenly across the map and take you to like some very far flung areas. Um, like there's one in the middle of Lustria. There's one way, way down at the bottom of the, the jungle where, or, where the, um, or the bottom of the desert where the tomb Kings start out. Um, and they basically, they don't play much like any other faction. Cause you don't really get anything except for tradable resources from occupying settlements, unless those settlements are directly, uh, connected to a magical forest, even down to the fact that like they don't get edicts for conquering an entire province. Like they have no, no reason to do that. So you basically want to take these forests and then all of the areas immediately around them, which cause the forests to get healthier and you get more building upgrades and progress towards your campaign victory from that, which is Another thing they've been doing that I really like is creating, you know, campaign victory conditions that don't require you to just blob across the map and own a certain number of provinces, uh, which I think has always been something that's been they've never really been able to figure out how to make it not a drag in Total War. Just that late well, game. Oh, I need X that's amount something more that they've been. Yeah, that's something that they've been working on with the Warhammer games, especially yeah, But like yeah. trying to have some sort of climax to all of this where uh, you have like, you know, war is like you win the war halfway through the war then you're just finishing it off. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the way that it works in games and in real life and so on. So they've been trying to work towards having these big climactic battles. So you're not just grinding things out. So total Warhammer one, you have the chaos invasion and like sort of default expansion through the chaos invasion. And after it would like have it. So once you beat Archidark, uh, you could <laughs> basically say you had won. Like I remember my first campaign with the dwarfs. I had this battle where I had like one and a half stacks against two full chaos stacks hitting me in the middle of a tunnel. And if I won this battle, I would basically have won the game. I just needed to like colonize a province. 
And if I lost the battle, then I would have to go back and, uh, like, rebuild everything and come back in 10 or 15 turns. So, like, this was a single climactic battle that I ended up winning pretty easily because the doors fucking rule. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then there was also, like, in, in the Vortex campaign, they build, like, straight for that. Like, you, you, click that button that says I'm doing the last ritual and you have like eight Skaven armies come and attack you. And then you go to like one super final battle with your Lord. Uh, like those things are like very specifically like here is the, the narrative arc is peaking at the same time that you're going to get the, you win button. And then three kingdoms has the whole three kingdoms set up that works pretty well for that, though it can turn into a drag, especially if like the capital of the other kingdom is like way too far across the map. Uh, but yeah, they, they have been doing their best to not have it be like Shogun 2, where like it just turns into World War One of, you know, trench warfare in choke points until something miraculously happens. Um, and that's that's a major benefit. But yes, they've also been like having specific campaign stuff like you were talking about. So carry on. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is. is- that was only about halfway through my campaign that I was able to heal the great tree and do this, you know, kind of kind of somewhat anticlimactic battle with with the beastmen. I think that that still could use another pass. The it's partly because beastmen are just there. I mean, they're I think they're the one DLC faction that hasn't gotten an update yet, so they just feel completely lack- chaos. Also, oh, and warriors of chaos, yeah, feel completely lackluster compared to all the other factions. Uh, Because they're still running on, like, old, old Warhammer 1 logic. Um, But yeah, that was only about halfway through my campaign. So they created this climactic, you know, sort of scripted battle for me. But then, because of the way the AI changed, I still had a long way to go of fighting, you know, as I called them, Warhammer NATO after that to secure the rest of the magical forests. So they have not... I I think... I think the semi the the semi fan term semi official is the order tied. Yeah, yeah. Which like wood elves are kind of included in that sometimes. Um, but be- yeah, I I would not call wood elves order. No, but like they usually if you're not if I wasn't playing as them, you know, a lot of times they'll end up allied with Bretonia or yeah. whatever. So um, yeah. So uh, they they not only have succeeded in creating these victory conditions that are separate, uh, and and have like a a, a planned end point, but they also have made it more fun to do a more classic total war thing where, you know, I didn't necessarily need to conquer the entire map. I kind of did anyway, because I wanted to stop the attacks that were coming from the remaining like empire and high elf settlements, um, of which there were a lot. Um, but Can a depressed person do this. <laughs> so that's exactly right. Um, you know, and I was making up little stories in my head all along the way. It was a very dramatic moment when we pushed the last the last of the free men into the hills and besieged their last mountain settlement uh, and ended the uh, the dominion of man over the old world. That was that was a fun time. Um, yeah, so. I, I should I should be I should be arriving at a point with this, but um, <laughs> well, I, I could take over. Yeah, go for it. Well, did did you have anybody else that you have played in Mortal Empires a bunch? I did try uh, booting up Norska again. Um, yeah, 
who I haven't played since Warhammer 1. I, I finished their campaign when they first came out for Warhammer 1. Um, they, man, they, they, you can get very big, very fast now because of that mechanic where if you beat the leader of a faction in one battle, they will immediately agree to confederate with you. Like I had all of no the Norska Peninsula under my control in like eight turns. Um, that's always been Norska, I think. They've always had that, like right from the beginning. Did they? Where you, oh, okay. If you defeat the, the leaders, then they just automatically, or it's, it's certainly been like that for a hell of a long time. Yeah, um, it, it feels and it does because the idea is that you're you're really meant to confederate as quickly as possible and then you start raiding the south yeah it, yeah. it feels like the ai has started taking that on a lot more too the world walkers are just like instantly a large faction yeah when, mm -hmm. even when the ai is doing it and like throg it was like i ate i ate all of the western tribes throg ate all of the eastern tribes and then it was like Wolfric versus Throg, and I beat him and confederated his faction. Is kind of how it how it. So he he actually helped me by confederating all of those factions before I fought him. Um, but then the other one I I really really like is Alethanor, uh, who's he's a high elf that starts in um, Nagarith by the Dark Elves, and uh, he's basically a high elf with an army that plays a lot like a wood elf army minus the tree spirits. Uh, he has. I think they are actually pound for pound the best archers in the game, uh, the Shadow Stalkers or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, I, I like shooty factions in this game for some reason. I just like being able to outrange and outshoot um, my enemies. Uh, even though Norska is kind of the opposite of that, they rely ent almost entirely on shock infantry and monstrous units. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is. This is why I've never gotten into the vampires. Mm. I wanted to. I oh, wanted love to me so some much. Vampires. Love yeah. me some vampires. Okay. They were the first faction I actually, in, in Warhammer 1, they were my review faction, the one that I <laughs> like really put all the time into. Um, and then I actually, like, I love them in 2. You get, hey, how about vampires but pirates? Uh, <laughs> and you really can't go wrong with that. But I just I, wanted, I to, keep... I wanted to say, after, like, despite having played hundreds and hundreds of hours of this game, whenever you two bring up someone's name, like Alathadriel, I'm like, who the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I really just want like normal names for these. If an elf called Dave, an orc called Frank, like, let's just right. simplify it. Jessica I'm old, I can't all of this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, an orc called Dave should be the name of the show, or an elf called Dave. <laughs> I think I think we have that one pinned down now. Yeah. Uh, no, like I I remember them mostly by uh, um, sort of uh, types, uh, archetypes. Like the the Nagarife guy is like, okay, he's the kind of like grim and gritty high elf. Yeah, he's, he's the one yeah. who's. He's he's sort of the Faramir here. Uh, not that Faramir was super grim and gritty, but like relatively speaking, because he's like in the enemy lands. He's tormented. To, yeah. Yes. I uh, only ever remember Cavill for obvious reasons. Which one is Cavill? Oh, that's the one that they added in because Henry Cavill loves Warhammer. So they chucked in an elf, called him Cavill. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Um, Yeah, so... The, this is the other point that I was making is that the, the game's done a really good job of having diversity of factions, um, diversity of like conflicts and uh, updating 
or adding new factions accordingly. Um, and we could sort of hit each of these ideas. Uh, the big one, I think, is that all these legendary lord packs keep adding different characters to different parts of the map. Mm-hmm. And like, if you played Mortal Empires initially, like I was talking about, I was playing the, the Lizard Man in Lustria, and like, I think initially the only other major legendary Lord I had to deal with was Teclas, the high elf who's like totally on the other side of the continent. Uh, there might've been like a vampire dude in there. No, he was, he wasn't legendary because they wouldn't have had a legendary vampire on that part of the map. But since then they have added an empire guy. They've added multiple, uh, pirate counts. They've added, uh, a dark elf and all in that Southwest continent. Uh, so now you actually have like a kind of difficult space to work within. I haven't tried to play as that lizard man again, but I have like poked around Lestria somewhat. And yeah, that's, that's. Yeah. Uh, like that empire guy is really interesting too, because yeah, I, I played he's as not him. like a traditional empire character. Like the, the way it's like the whole point is they're kind of cut off colonists, aren't they? Yeah. He's great. He's he's a really he's really fun to yeah. play. Um, yeah, we love colonists. Oh yeah, colonization <laughs> is great. Yeah, well, he also has like that mechanic where he he picks up he picks up heroes from other factions that are like these mm-hmm. RPG party members. Like he can get like a wood elf like Glade Lord in, in his army um, and stuff. I also love that like the 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 fact that they you have two wood elf factions like in the borders of the empire right now makes the empire so much more interesting like draika causing trouble over in like uh god draika is such a pain yeah like like it's yeah like the the empire is like oh that's the scary evil tree right yeah Yeah. like like it's always been like oh yeah you've got these feuding counts or whatever but like it it feels more dangerous now because it's like oh yeah you know i'm in i'm 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 well inside the borders of the empire but there's a crazy tree lady who wants to kill everybody over there (laughs) you know um yeah i the the other thing that i think is kind of interesting is that they've sort of um they've sort of created a few different ways to pace these factions i think um where you have a more traditional faction like the empire that works pretty much like standard total war you have these kind of you conquer stuff and then wait and build up factions like the vampires where like you, you have to conquer an area and you have to build up the vampiric corruption so that you don't have public order problems and then you can keep moving. Uh, you have these kind of hit and run factions like the wood elves in Norska where like controlling territory might not be as important to them. Um, and, but you know, maybe they can get a little bit of benefit out of, you know, raiding and raising and things like that. Um, obviously the nomads, like the chaos hordes and the beastmen hordes, and there's, there's a lizard man now that's a horde faction. Um, and then the momentum factions like the orcs, where you're going to have problems if you are not like when you're done conquering something, you got to think about what's the next thing I'm going to conquer pretty quickly. Like, cause if you take a breather, um, you know, you're, you're going to start to have problems pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know. Is do you do you uh, do either of you have like a, a favorite out of those in terms? Oh of- yes, the momentum definitely. Yeah. After especially after playing yeah. Grom, like it's just you know as I mentioned before, it's that tidal wave, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it is. I I love that you just don't. I mean, you because you can still like take it easy and build up. Like you're not being massively punished for taking your time. 
But to get the most out of them, you are just going apeshit all of the time on everyone. Uh, and it, I love that aggressive play style of the orcs. And it feels fitting for the orcs as well. Um, and it, and it act, with Gromit, it works really well too, because the whole point is to have lots of enemies and steal their food and make <laughs> lovely recipes out of them. Um, so it, like, even with the discrete lords, they've all got different reasons to be that aggressive in different ways. And it just, yeah, it, it feels brilliant. I think in a game like Total War, you do often just want proper Total War. And it, and it gives you that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could tell you my least favorite, and that's the fucking hordes. Uh, least favorite Total War conceit since uh, <laughs> Agents. For, I, we've I, got mean, like, they, I, I thought they were good in Attila because you had a life cycle where you started out as a horde and then you became a settled kingdom. I think that created a really They were also nice... key to Attila as well, weren't they? They were like, you can't yeah. have Attila without the hordes. Yeah, whereas yeah. like, you know, the Beastmen and Chaos, like the, they 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 kind of just wander around burning stuff down, which does serve a purpose, uh, like, you know, Rowan was saying earlier with breaking up this this tedium of, okay, at this point in the game, usually you have enough settlements that it just becomes a headache to manage them all, so we're just going to burn a third of the world to the ground and then that, <laughs> that'll fix it. Um but yeah, playing as them is not that great. Um, like, I love the Beastmen conceptually, but I just can't get into a Beastmen campaign because all these things that are like, oh, that sounds cool that they're supposed to be doing, like burn a city and then run into the forest and make a hidden encampment so that the humans can't find you when they come to see what happened to the city. It, it just doesn't quite work. The good shit that you get with the hard factions, you get with things like the momentum factions as you call yeah. them um because like you you want if you want all that aggression and burning shit down well, green skins will give you that uh and without all of the kind of the bullshit that comes with it yeah like the there's been there has been an issue with several of the factions uh and we can get into like the revamps here is where uh like strategically they kind of stunk but tactically they were still great like the greenskeds were sort of in that place for a while mm -hmm. like the greenskeds mm -hmm. have a, a great like combined arms thing it's not quite the empire's straightforward here's your here's your infantry here's your cavalry like the it's like your infantry either is really awesome or really fucking sucks uh whereas the on the campaign, it was like, okay, you could play as Grimgor, or you could play as somebody else in Grimgor's place, or you could play as Skarsnik, who's got, like, can only be goblins for the first quite a long time. Uh, and uh, so we waited for years for a green skin revamp. I mean, not, not necessarily years, but uh, they said that that was the next one for a while, and they, that one got delayed and so on. Uh, but when it eventually came out, it was like, oh, now they have made it so that the Wogs are kind of awesome. Like Fraser has talked about how great they are multiple times so far. And that was not the way that they were talked about with their previous incarnations, where they were just sort of other stacks on the map. Uh, they did not have like the battle, the battle surge, um, things like that. Uh, so like. You look at the Wood Elves and they were like totally crushed by that because they had like one of the best uh, 
like unit sets in the mm-hmm. game, like the, the ability to fire while moving made them feel different from everybody else. And then uh, as the campaign got bigger and bigger and they're like tiny little part of the world where they were the only two Wood Elf factions were, was there like that just kind of got sad and boring. And so like getting a new Wood Elf variation, getting their revamp was super key for making this actually feel like you know you click have that giant list of characters and like oh the wood elves are viable characters for me to click on for the first time in three years um (laughs) yeah yeah oh man like there's there's some really good tactical matchups there too but they haven't done that with the horde factions yet and i feel like you know when we get into the what they've said about total warhammer 3 that might be why because these are chaotic factions but uh yeah that's that seems to be uh a clear next direction to go and maybe we'll see what they want to do with that with uh how warhammer 3 starts getting developed and uh put out yeah well uh was there any last points about warhammer 2 before we kind of transition into talking about what we know about warhammer 3 so far i mean i could i could talk about warhammer 2 yeah, all day, all I night. I love it so much. I, I, I decided I think... that it's my favorite. Again, I, I go <laughs> back and forth, but I, it's a hundred percent like no contest. I love Three Kingdoms. It's so good, but Warhammer Two is just what a game! What a game! Fraser would definitely give this one a seven point five. I would absolutely. I would. I'd maybe yeah. even give it more. <laughs> oh, a seven point eight. I, I think I I, because I wrote the review for Warhammer 2 for RPS, I never got to uh, to give it a score. <laughs> I gave, the funny thing is, Warhammer 1, I did actually give a 7. I, we <laughs> know. I, I changed my mind about that. So. We know, Fraser. Yeah, that, was, that, was the, that was the opposite direction, a 7, Fraser. That was <laughs> yes. only a 7? I seven? love my 7s. Uh, I love yeah. my 7s. Yeah, no, uh, like, man, yeah, I could rave about how Wood Elves versus Skaven is emblematic of how Warhammer expands the uh, tactical possibilities of the Warscape engine in ways none of the historical games ever have, and it's just this beautiful, terrifying nightmare skirmish circus. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out and say that Warhammer Two has my favorite battles, and Three Kingdoms has my favorite campaign mechanics. Coward, uh, coward. <laughs> Take a side. Well, I would like I would like to maybe have more of the character stuff in Warhammer Two. I'm not saying like uh, I'm not saying that the Grim Gore needs to have a uh, personalized relationship with Carl Friends, but maybe they no, could have does. like a rivals. He definitely does. Yeah, they could have like a rivals tag or something. Um, like I completely be- agree. There's loads of stuff yeah. from 3K that I would love to see in Warhammer. Yeah. Um, but I just I. I'm just constantly like floored by how good this game is and how they've kept developing it. Like, <laughs> I, like just letting Creative Assembly like work on this game for absolutely ages has paid off. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the big takeaways here is that like this is a model for how to continue developing a game 
um, their ambitions and their their desires to have like an ultimate Warhammer playground or sandbox or whatever have totally paid off. Like that was that's not a yeah. thing that happens in games a lot where you say we're going to make multiple games and we're going to combine them and it's going to work. Uh, that doesn't always happen for a variety of reasons. And, you know, some of it is just that they had the funding to do this because people fucking want to buy Warhammer shit. Yeah. But also, like, uh, they have put in the effort. They have said, we love to do this and we want to make it the best that we can. And, you know, we will spend three years just adding legendary lords to make Mortal Empires better while slowly working yeah. on Total Warhammer 3 and somehow finding a way to try to make that make sense. Um, and like that's that's all really done extraordinarily well, provides a model for how to do these things that isn't the paradox model. Um, yeah, just it's just, kind of almost like the live service model without all the wank. Uh, it's just like a good, like just the kind of continued develop, like this team is on this and constantly experimenting with it. And we're watching this game grow. Uh, it doesn't feel like, oh, here's some DLC. Here's an expansion. It's, it felt like constant progression, momentum. Well, and it's, it's a hundred percent only buy what you want. They never put out expansions that are like, oh, this one's going to add an entirely new game mechanic or like. This one's going to get rid of the terrible Chinese faction system from EU3 and replace it with something better. Uh, like it, it's, it's a game workshop way of doing things. Yeah. It's like, hey, kids, want a new army? Like you're going to you're going to benefit from all of this. Like these new lords that they release are going to be on the map. You you just can't necessarily play as them, whether you buy them or not. So, um yeah, it, I, I like that is, I think, one major advantage over how they do this versus how Paradox does it. Um, yeah, the, the, the last thing I want to say is that like, even within the factions, the new Lords have really interesting differences between them. Uh, we haven't really hit on that too much directly, although like some of what Fraser was talking about with Grom, uh, but yeah, like if you have paid for this new Lord, you're getting something wild. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's a little weird. Uh, like I, I tried to play as Malice Darkblade, who's the dark elf who's way in the southeast corner when he came out. And yeah. like I just didn't really click with his potion and demon form thing and like whatever. There was also like a weird tax on his armies. And I was just like, this is something that I either have to go figure out how to do or I just play as somebody else. And that's OK. But I think he, I don't remember, Was did he come with Imrek? Uh, I don't remember what, which ones were actually released together. But yeah, I know that's, that's 100%. That was actually the last bullet point I had for Warhammer 2 as well, is like, don't sleep on these Lord packs. I think they've been hugely successful for the most part. I think like the first one that made me really realize how good Games Workshop is at making this kind of content was Clan Angrund, which might have even been for Warhammer 1. I don't quite yeah, remember. Yeah, they were. Because it's like, this, he doesn't have a significantly different roster from, um, like, Thorgrim, but just, like, where they've put him on the campaign map and the goals they've given him makes him play so completely different from all the other dwarf factions. Um, Nakai the Wanderer, who... He actually he is a horde faction, so 
might not be Rowan's favorite. He's he's the lizard man horde that starts up north. And like when he conquers a settlement, he gives it to a vassal instead of being able to control it himself. So he will only ever be concerned with his main army, um, his, his main horde army. But then he also has these vassals all over the map that are like the keepers of the something or other. Like they've done some really, really interesting stuff with with a lot. I of completely these horde forgot about that horde as well. Like that's yeah. just how big it is. I've played this uh -huh. game so much, and there is still lords where I'm like, I have no fucking idea yeah. who this person is or what their deal is. Yeah. It's like I'm constantly finding new things. Yeah. So like, not only new mechanics, but just figuring out. Oh, it would be actually really interesting if we put this faction right here, and then pointed them in this direction, and it gives you a completely different sort of campaign than you know. If you've played the 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 starter lord for for that particular faction, um, yeah, like just imagine saying I am going to beat this game with each of the factions, or with each of the with each of the lords within the faction, because there's still a couple that are like doubled up, like the empire and so on. But yeah, like just imagine saying I'm going to do this with, you know every single different starting point it would be you'd be at it until the end of time it's <laughs> you, just ridiculous you, you would be at it until the end of time and also uh like some of them like i haven't even considered touching for a variety of reasons and yeah. like i will hit them and be like oh hey this is my new favorite or, Oh, I despise this. I'm never going to figure this out, but I don't literally don't know. Like that, that lizard man horde guy. I've been like, yeah, he looks kind of interesting, but I don't know about hordes. So I want to go play as tic-tac-toe. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm fine with there being stuff that like, I'm like, you know what? This, this doesn't seem like my cup of tea because they like the real, like, thing that I love about this is is how diverse it is. And with that, you sometimes get stuff that's not going to be your bag. Yeah. Uh, but Number you still get to like face off here. against them. Uh, like they still <laughs> end up adding to the game uh, in surprising ways, even if you never touch them yourself. For sure. Well, uh, speaking of something that Creative Assembly has spent a very, very long time on, uh, we just... As we were like basically putting this show together, they decided to go ahead and drop um, uh, the first bits of info on Total War Warhammer 3. Uh, so Woo. what we know so far is uh, it's coming out sometime this year. Uh, they are going to be adding uh, four chaos factions, Corn, Nurgle, Slanish, and Zinch, which are going to be four completely separate factions. It's not like a single chaos roster where you have four different lords for each of the gods and then like some some small differences. It's completely different rosters for each one, um, completely different campaign mechanics. And they're also adding Kislev, uh, which are the, you know, pseudo Russia of the Warhammer world, also slightly Polish. Um, they're the Slavs. They're, 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 the, they're, the, they're the Warhammer Slavs. Uh, and Cathay, which is the big one that I don't really think anyone was expecting. It's Warhammer China. It's way out to the east. There's very little lore on it. They're making up most of this kind of as they go along in, in partnership with Creative Assembly, uh, which also means the map is going to get pushed way, way out to the east. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I I was I was not expecting it to be this big, but I guess given how much time that they've had to work on it and how much you know how well the first two games of their DLC has done, um, I guess they just you know they 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 were able to uh, to make this. I guess they even mentioned that it's more it's going to be significantly more ambitious than the first two were at launch. Um, you think? Do you think it's gonna come together? Like, well, the, this it's it just seems like a lot. Well, I think yeah. I, I've been sorry. Go ahead, Ron. I've been skeptical of Warhammer Three for a while, largely because it seemed like the only thing they were leaving was the demons. Like there were there were rumors and like thoughts that it might be uh, that the chaos dwarves and perhaps even the ogres would be added to the uh, total Warhammer Two slash Mortal Empires map, and there is room for them. Like. There are sort of pseudo provinces on the map that uh, like seemed like it was clearly where they were going to add these things. And then they, you know, decided to hold them back. And uh, there was also like discussion of, okay, if all they have are the demons of chaos, that is this like only going to take place in the chaos realms with like, there's be a map overlay or a different world. And like, that's, I have never found that that's like a really great idea in a fantasy game. Uh, the whole like, you know, uh, an above ground or underground or an alternate dimension or like a chaos realm. Like the, the dual map thing is just people love to try it going way back to Master of Magic. And I'm just not sure that it's actually worth it. So I was intensely skeptical about that. So the idea that they're just like straight up expanding to the east, that's from like a strategic standpoint, really interesting getting more chaos stuff to give more variety to the chaos invasion is a drum that I've been beating for a while because like, yeah, the, as fun as the chaos invasion is strategically, uh, tactically fighting those fucking cannons over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh, yeah, that's not my favorite. It's just a boring, like warriors of chaos is just a boring roster. It's just like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't necessarily know that it's like inherently that it's so boring, but it's not that exciting to go against repeatedly. I can tell you that much, which is part of why I liked Warhammer 2 is that now you have the Skaven kicking in, too. So you have both of those. And then like theoretically, the demons would have been a great addition. And now hopefully they will be. And like they could be like a a generalized chaos invasion that uh, really has variety as well as being strategically difficult. Um, So these things are all good to be, uh, I'm concerned about if they do a mega map, like how long the turn times will be because like, there's still not nothing. And if they add another 75 factions, then that will be (laughs) even more not nothing. But uh, like the main thing I'm worried about is the racism. (laughs) Warhammer yeah. is Warhammer is not known for its uh, sensitivity, to put yeah. it mildly. Well, like, because one thing that like Cathay has like barely appeared in the lore up until now, so like they. Didn't... Well, it's had. Lo- it's just that it's like it's not got an army, but there's like been quite a lot. Of, not loads, but yeah. It's, we know what Cathay is about. We know what it looks like. It's this aesthetic, you know. Right. There are certain things we can expect. We don't know specifics about the roster uh, and stuff like that although again we can make educated guesses right. and it's, I guess it's the same with like 
with Nippon, which I assume will be added in DLC well, the because is- <laughs> they're old rivals and so close. Yeah, the thing with Nippon is like it, it paints a picture of how badly Cathay could go. Like if you go, if you look at the material that has been released for Nippon, which is quite a bit more than they've released for Cathay, like there's like I, I don't even remember because it's so ridiculous. But like there's there's like a, a guy named Suzuki Honda or something who has a magical sword called Toyota. Like it's all this like very tongue in cheek, like would not really fly today. Like. Uh, I kind of feel I've got faith with of Creative Assembly yeah. not fucking that up, given yeah. that they've been making these games in sort of settings that these factions have been inspired by already. And yeah. the fact that we've got a show, you know, two shoguns, and we've got a Three Kingdoms, right. and I think they were like dealt with sensitively and were not grossly offensive. Uh, so I'm not really that concerned. I'm actually really excited about it. it Cathay and Kislev as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because while Kislev is now getting an army in, in actual real Warhammer, uh, we we only know that they have bear cavalry. We don't really know much else about the specifics of the Kislev roster. So, like, I'm excited to see what Creative Assembly is going to do with it. Uh, because I sort of, I feel like I maybe know what to expect a bit more from the from the demonic stuff. Um and I'm, I'm, I think that's more obvious. Uh, but I'm, I'm waiting to be kind of surprised by Cathay in, in particular. Yeah, I think that's. There's lots of ways that it could go wrong, but the possibility that it would go right, getting like a different flavor, kind of conventional, uh, total war roster with a. Uh, you know, the all the combined arms of artillery and so on, because the Empire is like really generic medieval stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and that's that's neat. Like it's fun to play with, but uh there's room to do other things like have a, you know, generic pseudo-Chinese and a generic pseudo-Russian that they could go wild with, they could do whatever. And like, yeah, they did do a good job with Three Kingdoms. Like I know how much they tried to make sure that this felt right uh so yeah it's it's mostly just how those things combine and perhaps the implicit uh racism of some of the background (laughs) stuff like uh the um john was posting about like how the the one of the key things in the lore for cafe was that there was a mongol like hobgoblin who uh was attacking them and it's like okay if you just have the mongols be goblins and that's saying these people are inhuman like that kind of thing is not great but like if they manage to get it right and have a chinese themed combined arms kind of thing like that's that's really neat and lynn you you had an interview with them where there was like yeah we wanted to have there be human factions to balance out the chaos weirdness and like yeah so like just having solid faction design uh sometimes you just want to play as that that really conventional thing against the weirdness right right and they 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 also told me in that interview that they are like they they do have like people who are like checking things for um yeah uh you know uh cultural sensitivity so i yeah they they also were were uh they mentioned that the the inclusion of Cathay didn't have anything to do with the success of Three Kingdoms in 
the Asian market that they'd actually wanted to do this for a while. Um, which but the ghosts have everything, isn't it? It's to fill the map with every single yeah, faction, well, I, I rem- even ones that don't have armies. I remember when they, when they, when Warhammer One first came out, they said eventually we want to have all of the armies that had army books in seventh. I think it was seventh edition of Warhammer. I think it was Fantasy like seventh Battle. and eighth. Seventh and eighth. So that would mean we are still getting ogres and chaos dwarves at some point. Uh, we uh, definitely are. Like, yeah. Cathay has a whole grudge against, yeah. like, ogres as well. Like, I was, yeah. when when I got, when the announcement came out, uh, I was doing a little bit of reading on what the heck's up with Cathay and their stuff. And I'm like, it's so easy to see what they're going to add from what we know already, even though they're not talking about it yet. Like, even if they hadn't said our original goal was to have everything, um, you can see the way all these other factions would fit into it. Um, I would be immensely surprised if we didn't see them. Because, like, the success of this model has, like, been so great that it would be bonkers for them to be like, you know, we're not going to do much DLC for this one. Right. It's just finish with Warhammer. We're tired. We've been doing this for years. (laughs) I think they're going to add a bit more to it. It's time for Age of Sigmar. (laughs) Oh no, please no. Oh god. Yeah, we had, there were eight paid DLCs in two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, six. There were, there were like 30 free, free LCs and eight paid DLCs for Warhammer 2, so... I, I don't and these think eight DLCs yeah. had like multi, each of them had multiple lords yeah. and like new mechanics. Like right. they were, I feel like the Lord's Pack should be called expansions, to be honest, <laughs> just with the extent. It's not adding to them like a huge amount to the map, but it's giving you so much to play with. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I noticed about this press release that has me thinking about campaigns and also about, uh, Maps like Rowan was mentioning earlier, overlay maps. Uh, if you look, it says uh, from the mysterious italics lands to the east to the demon infested italics realms of chaos. It almost sounds like they are hinting that those are going to be discrete campaigns. Because of they're styled in the same way as how they write game titles. Um so I'm curious mm. if this thing is going to launch with two... Oh, like Realms of Chaos um, campaign, yeah. Lands of the East. Now right, they, okay. They they have hmm. said that the Realms of Chaos will be a large factor in the Grand Campaign. They told me that in my interview, but they said they couldn't discuss how yet. So I, I actually asked, is it going to be a separate map? Is it going to be grafted onto the north? Because in the lore, the, you know, the further north you go, it eventually just turns into chaos um and I, it, they said they couldn't talk about that yet so i i think you're you might be look reading a little bit too much into this because they also just like have the the chaos lords italicized yeah, that i think true. i think that yeah that's and remember just this was this doing... wasn't written by like a designer this was written by one of their <laughs> pr people and they fucking love italics they okay. love it bold right. this italicize this can't, can't yeah, it, it looks like they're just doing it for like these are the these are the proper nouns that we want you to get right in your thing, okay. so we italicize <laughs> them. So Got I it. would not go too wild with that, but uh, like yeah, I feel like I feel like they have learned their lesson. I feel like the potential size of this map means that you could have like the realms of chaos be you know 
the entirety of Siberia and Mongolia and Central Asia and then also still have room for other things. Like, I mean, yeah. they said it's going to be the largest scale thing yeah. that they've they've tried and i think that's just across the board uh not even for warhammer it doesn't no that doesn't necessarily mean like size of the map um but it does make you think this is going to be a very beefy boy yeah well and it got me thinking about early game for if you're playing as one of the demon factions it would kind of make sense to have your early game goals to be like, prove you're the biggest and baddest chaos god, and then you get to lead the chaos invasion. Because if they just let all four of them loose on the map all at once... Well, well I'm not sure about that, though, because the whole point of the chaos thing is that they... So they have occasionally temporary alliances, stuff like that, but they're actually competing. And so it would be weird if you just had one and it sort of eased it out. I... I if you're going as a chaos faction, you're going to want to interact with the other chaos factions. There's going to probably be room for some kind of demonic diplomacy. I don't know how that would work, <laughs> um, I'm assuming. Uh, but there's like it would be weird if they didn't have those interactions in it. It's, it's a total war game. Yeah. yeah. The, the interesting thing here is that they have like six distinct factions that they are saying, like assuming they are correct that the chaos demons are... Uh, very distinct from one another. Um, plus Kislev and Cafe, and presumably there would be like at least the potential, if not like the initial thing, where Kislev and Cafe would have uh alternate variations. Like yeah, uh, so that you, you mean know, so they'd have to like confederate. You mean yes, yes. Uh, like you know, the Total Warhammer Two started with four factions and eight lords, and those eight lords were in different spaces, even mm-hmm. when they were in the same faction. Like Teclis is way in the south, and uh, uh, Tyrion was at you know the core of Ulthuan, and so like this seems to be a more ambitious thing already, just in terms of number of factions and potentially adding on lords to that. Like we have, we might have a situation that is way, way expanded from what total Warhammer one was, which was, uh, I think eight lords, but within, or no, there was also chaos as a paid add on at the start. Uh, but yeah, like, those were just four starting points, maybe five, with a variety of different lords you could choose from. But now they've realized, no, people want different starting points with their different lords. Yeah. This would fit that, why it's taken so long for them to right. finish this as well. Because right, they exactly. saw the reactions to the experiments and the things they were doing in two. And they're like, right, we need to rethink what our approach is with this. We're going to take yeah, a bit we, longer. We, we have figured out that this works with two, our legendary lords are like really figuring out that this works. So let's go all in on this and try to make, you know, each of these demons feel very, very different. And that's pretty exciting. The weight's been like triple the length or something. Well, we don't even know when it's actually coming out. We don't have a it'll, date it'll yet. It'll have but been I, it's, probably about four years since Warhammer 2 by the time yeah, it's actually... So it's like a, yeah. a four... Uh, that's like four times the yeah. length of the gap between the first two. So I'm demanding four times <laughs> the scale. It's, it's, it's like the amount of time we used to have to wait between Total War games before they decided to <laughs> make it every single year like Assassin's Creed or something. Put their B team on... So they on, did the uh, Wii Sagas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't call them the B team. That's so mean. I, well... <laughs> 
It could be a difference in resources, not availability, <laughs> but there's a reason that Troy and Thrones of Britannia are probably the least interest or not even necessarily least interesting. My least played Total War games of like the last. They were decade. different studios, though, because. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Troy, Troy was Sophia, which is yeah, uh, previously Crytek. So it's an, it's a completely yeah. new one. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, well, I um, get your point, though. <laughs> So, so can can we make the argument now, given that this has been happening for the last five years, that Total War is the game of the Trump era? No, <laughs> absolutely not. We're not all American. Uh, you've had a Trump era, too. It's just with a I, different guy. Yeah, but it's he's with not our guy. Either. That's the worst thing. I'm Scottish. He's not ours. <laughs> so uh, we don't call anyone Boris up here. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess he has sort of been the, the 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 I don't even want to say mastermind behind it all, but he he's been a constant. Uh, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Thanks for uh, that, Rod. <laughs> anytime. Uh, yeah. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> it, it, it's just evil fighting evil, and all you can do is pick your alliances with the the lesser of two evils and pray that you know you don't get burned in the Inquisition. You know, I, I just really, after the science, I just really am so excited about what, because, you know, we've talked about what we expect from this, but the truth is we have no real idea because the creative assembly that's the, making this game is quite different from the one that made the, the, the first two. Like, the team might not be different, but the actual, like, their experiences and the like well, things yeah, they've like, learned from experimentation. So it could go in a really strange direction that we've just not been able to predict. Uh, where So like in 2015, Total War is in this situation where they're coming off Rome 2, which is like the first time that they've actually had people like us saying this is a bad game, not a this is a messy game, this is buggy, this needs to be fixed, but just this is awful. And, you know, before that, like Shogun 2 was largely beloved, but Napoleon and Empire were, yeah, these are a mess. Like, you could get good out of them, but they're kind of... Uh, no, Napoleon rules. Let's not besmirch Napoleon's good name. <laughs> I, I think that... It's something I, think that, I never thought I'd ever say. <laughs> I think that critically, Napoleon was has, like, risen in estimation over time, and perhaps with some patches and mods and stuff. But uh, at the time, I believe that it was like, yeah, this is just kind of a thing that that they're making Empire better. I could be wrong, but that was that was my impression, and I have not actually played yeah. it. So it was a big, big, big change from Empire. Like yeah. different game levels yeah. of change. And I think a lot of people who had a problem with Empire, like me, played Napoleon, were like, this is what we wanted. This is like it's it felt like more because the thing is is they just bit off more than they could chew with Empire. Right. Like I appreciated the experiments, but in the end that experiment failed. It, and then with Napoleon, they took the good bits and then they put it in a more focused, slightly more conventional campaign. And it worked really well. And then right. the, the, the weird thing with Warhammer 2 is it's it's proven almost the opposite, where I think yes. that they have decided, <laughs> no, we are going to go really ambitious and we are going to try to do everything all at once. But uh, in contrast to Empire, this time it worked to the point that, like, I don't want to go back and even play the Vortex campaign because it doesn't have all the stuff in it. Um, so, I've, so I've, yeah. 
I thought about it now that I like go and click on the roster and they have all those different new factions, like maybe doing Grom or Marcus Wolfhard in the Vortex would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. it is. I did Grom in the Vortex and it was really good. And you don't feel like you're in the Vortex because they have added more factions to it. So it's actually way busier than it was. It's, It's still a big meaty... Yeah, campaign because Lustria... sometimes you don't have 40 hours to spend on just one game <laughs> yeah lustria and nagarith still feel too small in mortal empires they, they still feel crammed in i wish that the i wish they they would expand those out a little bit but because uh, yeah lustria I... is really really fun to play with in in the vortex campaign just because it's so big and you're fighting through these dense jungles for turns and turns and turns but I also liked uh, uh, yeah, they, Furious they, Wild. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if you look at where Total War was in 2015, like the two biggest most recent releases were Empire and Rome Two, which were not super duper well received. Uh, you had smaller things like updated versions that were better received, like Napoleon and Attila. And there was also, you know, Shogun 2, which was generally a success. But this was not a franchise that was, like, considered a guaranteed winner. Uh, Whereas now, like, with the two Total Warhammer games and Three Kingdoms, uh, like, and then Troy was generally fairly positively received, I believe, uh thrones of britannia is the only one that was really kind of not really much of anything like this is the complete opposite where like all of their big swings are working uh it's only the smaller things that they seem to not quite be landing and so yeah that this would be a studio that potentially has more confidence more money more desire to like just go all in on what they know works uh so yeah like as Fraser said, there, this could be potentially exciting. It could also be a disaster. That could be fun too. Um, for us to <laughs> another talk, seven, <laughs> yeah, a, a fun for us to talk about because you know maybe maybe this creates hubris. Like there's always there's always different ideas, and I think there's probably like half of the Warhammer characters have had situations where they got overconfident and uh, <laughs> did something horrific. I love it, Roy. You're like oof. Creative Assembly's really been fired at all cylinders of these Warhammer games. No. Let's take them down a peg or two. Well, no, I'm think, not taking them down a peg or two. I'm just saying that a possibility <laughs> exists. There are all kinds of possibilities. We no, exist I, I in agree, a... Lord. Let's get these fuckers. We exist in a liminal state. Uh, Total Warhammer 3 is in a liminal state. It could be the greatest. It could be the worst. I'm just uh, saying words. No, it's just like uh, it's just like it's just like Boris says in the trailer when he's talking about the fact that Kislev people is, aren't is, named Boris around here. Not not that Boris, uh, Czar Boris in the trailer when he's he's talking about how they're still paying for their sins. He's talking about Rome too. That was a veiled <laughs> reference to the company's past. Um, is it still their most successful game? I think it is. I Rome think 2. it actually financially and it I was, think it still And is. as much as Ruin said it wasn't well received, <laughs> yes it was. It was really well received. No, I, yeah, I'm still one of the it. lowest reviews for that game I would like to add. <laughs> yeah. Um well, I would I would note that like companies that are smart do pay attention to reviews and not just uh whatever, because you know. Otherwise, you get situations where LucasArts thinks or LucasFilm thinks that Rise of Skywalker's billion-dollar box office is good, 
Uh, but I don't think they think that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope that nobody at Creative Assembly thinks Rise of Skywalker is a good movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that would be really bad news uh, for yeah. everything. Uh, well, I think that that is uh, probably all the Warhammer we're going to talk for for today. But, uh, you know, with, with the third game on the horizon, we'll probably chat some more about it uh, when yeah. we finally get a chance to take a look at it. Yeah, we'll um, see you in six months or so. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would imagine it's, it's got to be close-ish if they've been working on it for almost, you know, for over three years. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, three moves ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can head over to the uh, forums to discuss this and other episodes at uh, IdleThumbs.net. Uh, we are, as always, supported by listeners just like you. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash 3MA where we have completely redone all of our, um, our well, not all of our tiers, but a lot of the tiers. Uh, for those of you who have not heard the last few episodes, we have a uh, $1 kind of just like tip jar tier. Like, I just want to support the show. I think you guys are cool. Um, we have uh, the uh, the movie shows that you might have heard a couple of in the past that uh, Rob and Troy have been doing that a couple of other of us might be getting in on soon. That's going to be a uh, Patreon tier now, so lots of new stuff to see. Uh, this episode was produced by me and uh, for Rowan and for Fraser. Uh, this is Liana saying goodnight.